0: One small step for man,
1: one for mankind. Columbia, Columbia, Okay, so we were trying to do season and review. We ended up having the whole Donovan Mitchell debate in the middle of it. So I'm going to quickly pivot to, I don't even want to do Tom Tibbs grade because I already know what Tom Thibodeau's grade is. Okay. I don't even need to waste my time. On What'd Tom you give him? I'm, I'm curious. Does Me? I, have a, I have a decently low grade, but I gave him a bump after reading the athletic article.
2: Oh, I didn't read the athletic article.
1: Okay. So I know Sean, ga- I know Sean gave him an F. I don't have to ask, right. I'm gonna <laughs> ask Sean anyway. I'm going to, I'm going to ask Sean anyway, but I already know Sean gave him an F. Okay. I, at the risk of um, getting slandered and possibly beheaded, uh, I think, is C minus too high a grade? That's exactly I what I gave so. him. That's literally what I gave him. Okay, because I had D plus, but <laughs> I, I couldn't in good faith give him a D plus while docking him for not playing the youth when, as much as it wasn't the way that I wanted, and it could have been more, to be clear, going back to the 80. 80- 80,000th time I've said on this on this podcast that Emmanuel quickly should be starting and playing big minutes and OB whatever with the four and the five with the random I still think there was enough of quickly playing playing a big enough role playing well you know defensively whatever else I think although he had to be fucking like I, I wouldn't say bullied but it only to the only way he played Grimes was basically, you know, in dire straits, he was in a straight jacket and, and he he had to play him finally. And then once he started playing, he did remain in the lineup in fairness, in the rotation in fairness. He did have a pretty much a 20 minute, sometimes 25 minute a night role carved out. I mean, I wouldn't say 2025, 20, 15 to 20 is more where he would peak at. It was getting minutes. like a solid 2025 20, before he got hurt. So, so if, if OB, Obi should have played more, but if, if Obi was playing at least some kind of a regular part of the rotation and quickly was playing and grimes was playing and yes he gets a massive docking for the kemba situation and uh the the, the point burke situation and and letting randall run whatever he wanted to run non-stop and not reeling him in and uh even to a lesser extent because for again i want to I have to bounce. I try to be fair. I know that I say a lot of wild things with people that I have agendas for, but like Fournier did get better down the stretch, but I still think that was a situation that needed intervening in terms of not just giving him 35 minutes a night, starting minutes endlessly. Like he's not a star. I'm sorry. If he wasn't playing well, you could play him off the bench a little bit. You can mix it up. There's no reason that he needed to be out there as much as he was getting dog walk. But at the end of the day, I just feel like I saw enough. I I wouldn't even say I saw enough. I think there was enough, at least with some of the young guys and they were playing and some of the improvements that they made, not attributing it all to Tom Thibodeau at all because I think a lot of those guys are just work hard. That's the kind of guys that they are. But it's always a little bit of both in the system that they're in. So I gave him a C minus because I felt like it was based on expectations, based on all the things that he fucked up. And I just give him a slight little bit of credit because my last point was just that once we hit 2022, things pretty much did turn to just RJ Barrett. Right. Like they they really did make it a point of emphasis to put the ball in his hands as the top option whether as the playmaker, the scorer, whatever the initiator. He was running a lot of the O. They changed the actions for him to run that a little bit differently. So C minus.
2: Uh he got a F for me and only <laughs> because I couldn't give him a lower grade. Um I just don't think there's any world where you can get above, you can get a passing grade when you start out like breaks a point guard all year. I, I just don't see it. Um, it was really disgusting and despicable. There was no reason to do so. All the data said not to, the eye test said not to, um, and then to double down, like the fact that it was bad to do it all year and then in March for him to play more minutes and MVP candidates is nuts. Like some of the things that Tom Thibodeau did this year when you isolate them, they're nuts. But when you put them all together, it's just like, wow. Um, Back to D plus. and then I forgot about the March stat. Yeah. And then, I mean, <laughs> the March stat, I think that D plus, I think we had to take it below a D plus. February was like one of the worst months of my entire fanhood. By far. One way. By far. That was wrong. We won one game and we had like six 20 point leads, and we lost every single game the same way. And it was all him. It was his decision-making. It was his rotations. It was him putting Alec Burks back in at the six-minute mark to come back in and play point guard and run ISO, Alec Burks, and Julius Randle for the rest of the game. It was Evan Fournier coming back in for Cam Reddison in the Phoenix game for whatever reason. There's just too many asinine decisions that were made, too much lack of adjustment. I, I, that guy can't get a passing grade at all. This this We should not have been the 12th seed. You know, I watched, I watched the playoffs. I watched the playing, and it just pisses me off. Because it's like, at this point in the NBA, not playing postseason basketball is embarrassing. Ten teams from each conference make it to the postseason. The play-in is the postseason at the end of the day. The fact that you couldn't even make it to the play-in and the amount of uh, games. I can run five games off the top of my head that Tom Thibodeau lost this year. And that would only be half at most. He lost, you can't lose 10 games by yourself as an NBA coach and get a passing grade. I'm sorry. He's disgusting.
0: Well, that's why I split my, for my C minus grade. I gave him a flat F for coaching, but to his defense development, I think he did a really good job. I recommend you guys, if you haven't checked it out, the athletic article. So basically long story short, they have two practices. The first session is purely young guys playing together that's why they've played so well together when in the spare moments he actually put them on the floor that's the disconnect with Thibodeau so I am going to give him credit for the development I gave him an A- minus on that because quickly OB, Grimes, RJ even McBride to a lesser extent look great and then Sims look great all towards the end Mitchell Robinson 295 offensive rebounds fouling less just being a true beast down low all of that was on his watch. Like, he is instilling work ethic in them, so I don't want to completely shit on him, but I will shit on his coaching, flat F for everything Sean
1: Kyle said. Let's get, no, Deshaun's point, though. I can't believe you really watched. I got, I got so tired. This is probably the most, like, done I've been with the Knicks season since, I mean, honestly, bro, 2019 wasn't even as, as bad if I'm keeping it a buck, because at least then, like, was before R.J.? What? Well, well, no, it was R.J.'s first season. But like we knew, oh. like Fizdale was ass, right? He got fired, and then Mike Miller had them playing better basketball. So I was invested. The second half of the season, I was invested. R.J. was playing better. Randall played much better under Mike Miller. So that season, I was invested, right? But the way that this season ended, pretty much because February was so disgraceful because they had just turned the ball over to R.J. to be the top option. And I'm not going to say they were like world beaters in January, but they were still in it for sure. For sure, right? Like there weren't that many games. We were, we were ahead of Boston in January. Right. Boston hadn't begun the turnaround yet, right? So in the same span that Boston went from being like a funny disappointment to being like the powerhouse on fire darlings of the NBA, we went from – I mean, I'm not saying we could have the same turnaround, but like mm. you could have simply not lost 10 games the exact same way <laughs> Many of which you let in, and we had what we finished with thirty-seven wins of the season. Yeah. Correct me, boys. Yeah. Yep. So, if you mean to tell me we just win what, like four of those games, we're probably we're probably in after all all of what the season was. It's you pretty can't get a passing grade. You can't. It's <laughs> it's just it's just embarrassing to me, bro. Like, and and, and you know what, Mike Mike's point, which was actually supposed to be a positive for Tibbs. I'm not going to go the other way out of it. It actually makes me more <laughs> mad because, okay. So if you did take the time to play those young players together in practice in, 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 in a effort to mold and develop them, then wouldn't, you know, better than anybody having watched them specifically play together with each other, that they should probably play more That's together in enough. NBA games. I just don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get it. We watch the same thing. I got so tired of doing those spaces And everything, the post game, because it was like, bro, I got to talk about the same game. I just, we just talked about the same. It's like a, it's like ad libs it became. It became the Knicks lost too. And you just inserted the new name. And then everything else was the same about it. It was like, literally everything played too much. He pulled OB at the wrong time. Why did quickly come out? He hit three big shots. It was, it was like, we had the same conversation every day. And I just couldn't do it anymore, bro. I was like, we watched the same loss. We watched the same loss, lose differently, lose creatively. Like, if you I look at all of Thibodeau's, Thibodeau's never
0: changed. That's why I said it on a previous pod. All these hiatuses he's taken to quote-unquote learn, he has the same rotation he had back in Chicago. Like, he just has his four or five guys. He's going to play 40 minutes. He has, he's always going to play a small guard. He's always going to play a true center. Like, he's just never going to be flexible. Like, this team could go really far playing small. And they rarely did it like Randall and Obi were great. The first half, first game of the season, second half. That was the reason they blew up the Celtics in the second half. Really went back to it. Like that's, he's just never, I don't think he's ever going to, they're never going to take a major leap
2: with him. He is the perfect foundational guy for Yankees fans. He's, he's like, definitely fuck not a playoff coach. No, like, no you watch I the think, playoffs and you see guys adjusting and doing things on the fly. He's not—he's not,
0: he- he's not no, that guy. That's what I'm saying. He's not he- dynamic. Like he's just—he is a good coach. Like he is a good, like foundational guy to like instill work ethic and kind of set up like how you should play in this league. But he's not the guy that I believe is going to take them. Like whenever RJ is ready to win playoff series, I don't think it's going to be with Tom Thibodeau. I think it would be in part because of the work ethic he instilled in him. If, as corny as that sounds.
2: And 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 like Kyle said, like. That, that athletic thing, I mean, that's a cool article that's really nice that they're running practices together, but that does not help his case, in my opinion. That is even worse. And that's not only did he not adjust, we would see the thing that works and then stop seeing it. Like There was a three-game stretch. We blew out the Clippers when they were on a five-game win streak we, in, in L.A. Then we went to Sacramento and beat the shit out of them. And then we went to Dallas, and they were on a five-game win streak, and we beat the shit out of them by 30 points. And in that Clippers game, that youth lineup had the Clippers 36 to four. Like I watched the Clippers go like a solid five minutes of basketball without making a shot. They were playing excellent defense. We we, Like in those three games where played over 20 minutes or whatever it was, three and O against two playoff teams, the Miami game, you you saw it. Like it's one thing when I'm asking for it and begging for it and we've never seen that because that's what people were saying when I was talking about Quentin Grimes earlier in the year. He's a rookie. You don't know that he can do it. It was like, bro. He shoots the ball very well. He plays the defense well, and he doesn't need the ball in his hands. It seems pretty simple. Put him on the court. Oh boy, boy, you can't do that. He gets on the court. He does it. Cool. It's one thing when I'm asking for something we haven't seen. Once I've been asking for it, and then we get it, and it works, and I stop getting it, so that we can go back to the other thing that lost us 17 games out of 18. What is going on? You get an F. I'm sorry. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's rough. It's 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 hard to it's hard to defend. I mean, the Burke stuff is like the indefensible stuff. Like, that's the most indefensible part of the season. And I still don't understand why. Like, he kept giving the same answer, and I still don't totally understand the basketball reason for doing that. Because he would just say, like, oh, he's one of our better guys. He knows what to do. But it's like, does he? Because the last five minutes of most games, like you guys said, were when we fell apart, and that's whenever he took out either way it was quickly wherever it was hot and put Burks back in. So that, and then the thing with Kemba having to be either a starter or nothing was kind of stupid to me. I don't know if that was a front office thing that he took heat for, but that never made sense to me. I think Kemba overall, I'll just go his grade. I gave him a D minus just because he had the, that string of 40 point games, but he wasn't used. Like he, they didn't explore with him at all. Like why not try him out as a spark plug? Why does it have to be black and white starter or nothing?
1: Of Shit like that annoyed me. Was astounding on this yeah. team. And not just like adjustments, like imagination. Like, I don't know. Sometimes I feel like I say stuff about basketball on this podcast, and not everybody like feels the same about basketball, it's like the sport that is basketball to me. But I don't know like you two do, which is why I love talking about it. But like It's not just adjustments like basketball to me, like people say basketball is like jazz, right? It's, it's, it's improv. It's on the fly. It's like, whether you're playing or you're coaching to me, that's basketball. Everybody knows momentum in basketball. Everybody can tell when things are building in basketball, when a team's going to go on a run, a guy's about to get on fire. You know what I mean? Everything's like shooting from the hip. And when you do that, I feel like your possibilities are endless, right? Like, I feel like everything's infinite. And I feel like you could have so much imagination when you play, whether you're coaching or playing, you should have like some sort of an imaginative mindset that you're bringing. Like, what are all these different things I could do with all these different players who could do all these different things? And when I don't see any imagination, that's the most joyless version of basketball to me. And that's what I ended up feeling with Tom Thibodeau this year. And that's what disappoints me because you had guys like, like, sure, like we debated earlier about like the Donovan Mitchell trade, right? Like, but even then, look what we were talking about. What could these different guys be? these OBs, these quicklies, like what could they provide in, in different contexts? If they start with this guy, if you put him with Brunson, if you look how much imagination we have thinking about all these different things you could do with these guys. And I felt like not putting Kemba on the bench as a spark plug, not trying Fournier off the bench to anchor a six unit, a uh, six man, you know, role, you know what I mean? Like wh- why couldn't we try things? That's what bothers me. We say that a lot on this podcast. Why not try? Why not try? Because if you're, especially if you're already failing, you're already failing. Why not? Why not though? Why not try a different angle? Like what is, what is the issue? And to me, that's, that's the most frustrating thing. If you try and it doesn't work out, if you go small ball and you play Randall and Obi at the five and they get shellacked. All right. All right, man, you tried it. Like cross that one off the list. We saw it didn't work out. We move on. Okay. Back to back to Taj minutes. You know what I mean? Whatever it is, try it though. And, And I feel like the lack of like, okay, we can't bring Kemba off the bench. So publicly banishing him is better.
2: Like, I I don't apparently he didn't speak to him either. Like Kemba said, he did not speak like he did not speak to him. Like he did not address him as a human being. Yeah, that's weird. And you know know what? Hold on. So I'm going to go back all the way back. This might make me
1: look a certain way. I'm going to go. I'm giving him an F now. I'm giving Tibbs an F because I have about that. (laughs) No, no, hold on. Because that happened so early in the season that in addition to the whole there was other rumors and complaints about like oh you know players feel a certain kind of way about how Tibbs holds players accountable or doesn't or then then that came out and he's not even speaking to a guy he's going to make a major move for and so it really you know it does lead you to wonder like what what is Tibbs doing you know like what is it this is supposed to be like okay even if he doesn't give you all the x's and o's and adjustments you want you're supposed to be like this is the leader of men you know, Tom Thibodeau, hard ass, hard old Tom Thibodeau. You're bringing in to set a baseline and work ethic. And to me, that means you're, you're treating guys with respect. You're treating guys like men. You come in, they're going to work hard for you. You work hard for them. You're going to do right by them. They do right by you. That's supposed to be like the player coach mantra, right? But you don't talk to Kemba Walker?
2: No, Kimball he's not even Walker. like a Everybody's favorite human being, Kemba Walker. Smiling the on the bench down the 25.
1: Kemba Walker. And you can't even give this guy a heads up? Like... That's that's the shit that bothers me, man. Like I'm sorry, like that, you
2: can't... don't forget. Another thing that pissed me off was uh, the backup quarterback comment. That was that was terrible. Just just remind me, please, Sean. Remind me. Uh, that was when um Julius went out with COVID and Obi got the start. And Obi didn't have the greatest game. And he got on the podium and was like, everyone wants the backup quarterback to play until he actually plays. I don't understand how you are trying to develop somebody or like have faith in somebody and you get on the podium and say that about them after their first start. Well,
0: he got clearly the defensive. He also had that rant pretty much at Nick's Twitter, because there was no other way to say it where he's like, you have to watch the the film three times. Yeah, He's like, you have to watch the film three times. Like, no, we don't like, don't no, bother me about that. Like we really waste, but it annoys me because it kind of discredits like not just us, but everyone on next Twitter that's pretty active. They sit through 82 games a year. Like, show some respect for that. We sit through 82 games a like, year, but also wa- and we
1: all watch the like it's that's just, a just, commitment. Just the just the three of us, right? That that specifically do social media, right? Like for, for us, for you know, TKW, for ourselves, whatever, right? Just us. Think about how many times live we watch the game live. I have the game on in front of me. I watch everything happen live. As it's happening, I have my screen going just to make sure I can catch anything, right? Whatever it is, make sure I catch. When I do catch whatever it is that I caught, I'm now re-watching this play a few times. I watch and re-watch so many plays that happen every game, all 82 games of every season of the last X amount of years. Nobody has watched more games. I'm not even saying me. A lot of fans do this. So how... Yeah, not everybody knows what they're watching, to be fair. Probably a majority don't know what they're watching, but a lot of people do know what they're watching. And to say like, oh, well, I watched the game three times, that doesn't make you special. I wake up the next day, I always make sure I at least watch the condensed game. I always make sure I at least watched all Knicks possessions. I want to see everything that they did. You know what I mean? I make sure I go through, because I'm not going to get up here and talk about shit that I don't know what I'm talking about. So I always come up here and make sure I know what I watch, and I watched it and I watch it again. So to hear those comments is frustrated, you know. It's like, bro, bro, yeah. okay, maybe maybe we don't know as much as an NBA coach. We don't know nothing, bro. Like, like we're not ju- are just at the, yeah we're not just the every exactly. fan. And then like, so that was frustrating. But then also yeah, like the timing of it too. Like so so Obi finally. First of all, I did share a little bit of those concerns about the the whole backup cor- you know quarterback thing. I'm not going to sit here and like only slander. Yeah, of course it is fair to a degree, but it's not fair in the degree that, like. Of of course, yeah. The the first time he finally plays, like you can't expect. This is not like microwave. You can't just expect twenty five and ten, start starting right off the rip. Like we've always seen, first games don't go that way for for most players in big opportunities, and big spots, and, in a massively changing context. Like I I've just. I give him an F. I, Sean Sean won me back over on the pot. I came in. I was like, I was like, I'm, I'm giving him a D plus because I know Sean's gonna give him an F, and I didn't quite hate him as much as Sean, so a D D plus is probably fair. And then I started thinking about so, some of the young guy improvements, and I was like, all right, maybe I can give him like a C minus at best. At best, a C minus. And then I immediately walked back down. I forgot about some of this stuff. This was such a roller coaster of a season. The Kemba thing. Oh, like I. I'm, I'm standing strong. I'm, I'm very upset, man. I'm still... like was, I can't I believe really he's coming back then. Like, how how does somebody... I think he's on his way out. Like, <laughs> I really somebody... do
0: think... I think this all ends with Johnny Bryant. Like, I really... I, I think... I pray.
1: I think I he think gets canned, does. but I just can't believe... Like, I, I... Like, the Kemba point to me is like, I don't know how players get over that. Like, if you were on the team and you saw him, like, blatantly ignore starting point guard kemba walker even if he's playing like ass and not even tell him that he wasn't going to start that to me is like how do you come back in and like as a professional be like i'm ready to go to war for this guy i don't know what you can just because like you kind of see how he treats people like that's how i think like you see how he treats people a little bit and you're like why i think when's he gonna gonna do that to me well what
0: what if i'm gonna come first time i heard him doing that though because everyone else that talks about him says they love him i mean, obviously he's.
1: I hope perfect. it. I hope that's it was like great. some big miscommunication or like some. So, somebody fucked up the story somewhere along the way, but like the way the season's gone, I don't know, bro. I'm... Yeah, yeah Kemba's not like
2: I'm speculating. Kemba said that himself. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm, yeah. I don't think like, he's was straight I don't, from Kemba. It's like a weird
0: thing to lie about. I don't think Kemba's a lie. <laughs> like he has not come across as somebody that would just lie about that.
1: Let's 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 keep moving on to to the play. Let's rip through some of these player grades here because this tips things made me upset. Okay, so Kemba, I know Mike gave him a D plus. I sort of, and I mean, I, I give him an F for an incomplete. It's not even entirely his whole fault. I just feel like he's hes washed. He shouldn't have played as much as he should have. He shouldn't have been left out there as much as he should have. When he did come back for that that fun little stretch, it wasn't enough to really change anything for me. It was just fun in that brief moment. And then I think we all kind of knew it wasn't going to last because again, he was overextended. So I think the, the proper thing would have just been to switch him to a bench roll and, and roll from there, but they didn't even try that. So we'll never know. So I don't want to like... <laughs> Put the full blame on Kemba, but yeah, he stunk it up to start the year when he had an opportunity to simply not do that. He did have ample opportunity to to you know play better if he was capable, and didn't really do that till he got the second opportunity. But I give him it, it's sort of like a quasi grade, but I almost just want to give him an incomplete because I I don't like grading guys negatively when like the jig is up and we can all this is like similar to my Alec Burke grade we'll get to, but it's like. I can only dock you so many points, bro. I know you're out there trying, all right? I know Kemba's knees are held together by, like, scotch tape, you know? Like, there's nothing holding him together anymore. He's We know he shouldn't be starting, okay? We we got excited. We thought low risk, high reward. Okay, we'll see what happens. But, like, it was clear he shouldn't have been out there. And then he stayed out there. And then I felt bad for him. So I gave him, like, an F. It's not really, like, his own entirely fault, but it was, like, 25 really bad games, mostly bad games, a fun, like, five or six-game stretch, and then all the other shit that happened
2: uh yeah for me i mean i got kind of the same grade as you. like i don't think there was anything significant enough to give him like any actual grade like nothing above a c nothing he doesn't deserve a c um so i'd probably give him an incomplete i mean yeah it's not it just wasn't it wasn't it it wasn't it and that's that's it that's it there
1: oh let's quick pivot then the the guy i want to get a good grade on because i'm interested to see where we fall on. Evan Fournier, I wanna, I wanna get on this one. Uh, not even for the slander purposes, but just because of the roller coaster that he is, I'm curious to see where after the full season we all landed on. I'm not gonna start with myself because I'm a coward. I'm gonna loft this one up to Sean. Uh, if you have a Fournier grade uh, that I could hide behind and cower behind when I give mine later. Okay. Ah. Um,
2: uh, psh, psh, psh. You know, in terms of what you said of being like nuanced with guys, I was gonna give him a D plus, but I I might give him a C minus, only because like he can't get anything higher than a C minus because he's absolutely terrible defensively and disgusting. Um, but at the end of the day, when Evan Fournier was signed here, his job was to shoot and he broke the he broke the three-point record. So he shot the ball. He didn't do so very consistently at all in the beginning of the year, he was actually very, very awful but he was much better down in the stretch in the second half of the year to the point where kind of all of us, especially Kyle and myself stopped like killing him. And we were like his two main killers. So like, you know, he, he did all right. So I, I give him a C minus. I still want him off the team, but C minus. Salute <laughs> to you for breaking the record. Hopefully Quentin Brown series up and break soon. soon.
0: Yeah. I'm going to go B minus. It's a little high, but I do think the three point record and he really turned it around after he had, I forgot what performance it was. We made a graphic from it because it was so bad. It was literally straight donuts, a quadruple donut. And after that, he kind of showed up and he figured out his role. Eventually that does not, I'm not trying to say I want him on the team still. I think the only way I would want him back is if we do a rockets type model around RJ and he could be the sniper, but I think he did his job in the end of the day. Terrible defender should not start on this team, but. If you're talking about straight performance, he
1: was not one of the worst players on the team by any stretch. Okay, so this is going to – I'm prepared to shock the world with this one, okay? Uh, I don't think anybody was expecting this from me. I have a higher grade than Sean. It's lower than Mike's. I have a – it's it's almost ac plus. I I give him like a – like a seven. Because it it isn't the context that – I knew he sucked. I knew it. We all knew this. I don't need to go back into it, right? I knew he sucked, but at the end of the day, despite us knowing that, I had to admit that if he did his job on offense, which is what we signed him to do, that I would be fair. And I feel like if you broke the record for the threes, and in fairness, bullying works, I'm not going to say it's a, solely our our are doing because people largely Knicks fans turned on him leading up to that but when we made the graphic and we're like, Hey bro, you got, you got to do better than this. This is just not okay. You can't, you can't keep getting away with this. You can't keep putting up zeros, brother. You're here for offense, score the points, don't play defense and we'll be, we'll accept it. We won't like it, but we'll accept it. And I feel like more or less, that's what happened. I feel like he started scoring the ball better. He was hitting his shots. He had stretches that lasted a little bit longer. Now, a lot of it was too little, too late. You could argue it was empty stats, you know, empty calories, whatever you want to argue. I think that's very fair because I think that's the player that he is. However, the ball was going in the hoop. We paid him to put the ball in the hoop. He broke the record. A lot of these three-point records aren't all that impressive. I don't want to sound like a hater because teams just weren't shooting the three and there were capable shooters before. However, a franchise record is a franchise record. He now owns it good for him you know what good for him because he was shooting like shit and playing bad defense so at least he figured out how to shoot better crept back closer to 40 percent didn't get there i think he finished 38 percent of the season sufficient you know Thirty-nine. 30, so about 39 let's be fair so i don't want him on the team to be clear i think i saw a lot of that conversation about Oh, everybody's talking shit. You know, this is a still a good deal. You know, now we can have them the next couple. I'm not you interested. Know who the, yeah, those are the people I'm not I interested. Okay. Yeah. I, I'm not interested. Okay. If you feel that way, I hate you. It's not like I hate you the same degree that I did before the season started. I can at least understand some of the credits now because he did his job. All right. He came in, he hit some threes. He set a franchise record. I, I can only argue so loudly. You know what I mean? So to me, I get C, C plus, depending on the day, probably a C, but... I gave him C-plus just because of the record. I felt like I, for all the loud slandering I did, for all for all the victory lapping I did when he didn't play well, you know, wasn't even trying on fast breaks, whatever, throw, throwing the ball into RJ Barrett's back, for all the loud things that I did, I just felt like C-plus was probably fair. It might be too high, but I think C-plus is fair. But um, I don't know, Just just move him now, okay? We did it, we did it. He was on fire from like, February onward for like two and a half months and we still only got 39% shooting. Like, do you know how bad it was prior to that for like the first half of the season? It was not good. It was really not good. I'm not interested in, in Jacqueline Hyde shit. Okay. I want consistency moving forward. I don't need I don't need that again. Look, if Rose is a great salesman, there's a very easy pitch for
0: Fournier, assuming the Celtics continue to wreak havoc in the postseason. This man will kill the Celtics for you. He is four higher. Send your best offer. Done.
1: Yeah, I I mean, look, look good for Fournier turning it around. To be honest with you, it was getting real real spooky for him over here. So I mean, he was fighting for his life. So you know, good good for him turning it around. I think we we all would have messed him if he left. But you know, so you actually did what you were paid to do at the end of the day. You you made it happen. You know, it was cutting it close, but you, you made it work at the end of the season. The the regular season stats now check out if you look back on it in total. So you know, good good for you, pal. But we can keep him moving. Um. Who was your highest grade? Oh my this wasn't even close. This wasn't even close. I if we're gonna jump right to highest grade, I mean I it was RJ Barrett. It was RJ Barrett, and I I have the stars are still in my eyes from the season ending. I'm sorry. I I said this on a on a previous podcast, but I feel like as high as we were on RJ Barrett, we might have like like draft time takes, draft time takes. Not like the, the consistent building that we have gotten to draft time takes we were so high in him and we sort of agreed like 25 and 5 was like where we all kind of saw for him and some of us a little higher a little lower the fact that like we could have been too low on him is like my favorite i'll never get over that that's my favorite thing that could happen with the next draft pick there's no there's no better feeling than thinking you're like too high on a guy like real high on a guy and that it's not gonna work out and then he actually does better than that it was lofty to begin with. 25-5 is, is not like a low bar to clear. So, anyway, I know he started the season bad. I know, but once we got to January, he, he got the reins, and it wasn't just like the scoring in total, which is always going to be everybody knows the little buckets, but like it was how he was doing it. I thought the footwork was a lot better. I thought he was really patient. I thought in the paint. He looked different in terms of how he was looking to attack because remember, uh, last year we saw a lot more of just like the the fading backspin that wasn't always going in, right? That little fadeaway. But this year it was going in, but also teams knew he was going to do the fading backspin. So he added this step through when they came back on the fadeaway. He was doing that a lot this year. I'm going to fade back. You're going to go defend me. Now I'm going to step back through. This is going to be an easy layup. Like having good footwork and being really strong and playing the guard position Like, those are, like, really important things to be able to do. And for all the no wiggle, uh, you know, he can't get through the lane, whatever. That's fine if he doesn't have those things, if his footwork is good. Because if his footwork is good, like James Harden has shown you, you don't got to be faster than everybody. You just got to be in the right spots. And I'm not saying RJ is that yet, but, like, he's figuring out how I can always get to the right spot. Like Sean always says, skip through that lane. Skip, literally skipping through the lane. He's just picking his spots, his steps. Everything's very calculated now. The finishing still needs to improve. Some of those, he's kind of flailing at the end, but this year he's still learning when to make the contact, when to lean in, when to fade a little bit, try to do a little finesse. Uh, not just that, but how we work with Mitchell Robinson. We saw how we work with Obi a little bit when they finally played together. Um, just the way that he reads, the defenses is a little bit better. I gave RJ, I'm not going to say A+, plus, but I, I gave him a pretty clear A. I'm sorry. I, I wanted to ding them a little bit for the defense that disappeared at times and especially earlier in the year. But what I always say to you guys too is like, it's a skill to play number one option in the NBA. And I think when you play number one option and have that workload that it, it just does take away from other parts of your game sometimes, because it's a lot of energy getting all the shots up. Like people laugh at that, but like, it's true. Um, it, it takes a lot of work to get the shots and make the shots and, and beat the guy. And I think you can't always give your proper defensive effort, but I think that's fine when you're a growing young star. So I didn't try to ding him for that. So I gave him an A. I just, I don't know what else you could have wanted for him. He well, What did he average in 2022? It was like 20, 24 points a game? Uh,
2: above 24, I believe. Almost
1: 25, uh, yeah. right? Because if you included the full season, because it was so bad the first month or two. He yeah, it was 20. 20. So he had average. Yeah. So I think you're right, Sean. Uh, I I don't know how you could give him a worse grade than like an A if he's averaging 25 points. You know what I mean? I almost don't count the first two months of the year. Like, but I shouldn't do that. It's supposed to all count. I don't care. But I give RJ Barrett an A. Yeah.
2: I also give RJ Barrett an A. Um, I don't know, man. I feel very, very, very like closely linked to RJ Barrett. Like, I feel like I'm part of the prophecy. Like Yes. 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 (laughs) (laughs) Like, I I knew he was him. I, my first time in the garden since I was like five or six years old was when I flew back there. My parents were like, what are you doing? You have rent to pay. Why are you flying to New York? I was like, I have to be at RJ Barrett's first home game. You just don't understand. They were like, this makes no sense. I had to be there and I was there. And, um, you know, he's, and it's funny because he averaged 25 points a game in 2022 and on January 31st, it's there. And I'm going to reference it almost probably once a month. I tweeted RJ Barrett is about to go nuts. The minute that the Julius Brando report came out that he had COVID. Cause I was like, now Tom Thibodeau has no choice, but to put the ball in his hands. And apparently like, you know, I'm. he texted Drew Hanlon saying, it's time to go crazy. I want to get to 20 a game. I said he was going to go nuts. Then in what I want for him to improve and I was like, damn, okay. Like, you know, he's gotten a little better with the three, he got to the basket really well. I think the next step for RJ's game. And I said this, week, I don't know where, like, I, but I've been like feeling this way strongly. The next step for RJ's game is getting that mid range really solid and becoming a legitimate three level scorer. Cause I feel like right now he's a three level scorer that doesn't necessarily operate in the mid range like that. And if he adds that mid range game, solidifies it, it's going to be curtains for the league. And then I was watching the uh, old man in the three podcast and that's exactly what he said he was trying to do this off season. And I was like, wow, like kindred spirits, what can I say? But yeah, man, I couldn't be any prouder um, just the way, like the, the offensive uh, improvement um, the defense yeah, should have been more consistent. And I'm hoping that it is. Um, but also, I, I also believe that's a product of, and I'm not making an excuse for him, just nuance to it. I think that when you're on the floor with shitty defenders, it just takes it away from, you know, like whenever Fournier is getting beat off the first dribble and Julius isn't switching, that that's part of why I don't want Donovan. Like or, or my the thing toward it is just like one person not playing defense can make a whole defense bad. And so I believe that there was some of that this year, which is why I want to have good defenders on the court with RJ at all times. Um, but that, and also just the leadership, man, like he really, he really took on the leadership role. He really, you know, the fans respond to him. He's handled New York well since he got here, and he just seems really, really, you know, like made different. Like like he said himself. And um, I yeah, the sky's the limit for RJ. I've been saying it. his floor is too high in too many different places, and he raised those floors this season. Um, and uh, yeah, I, hey. Hey, would have been an A plus, but had he been like a consistent defender all year, like the or defender we know he is capable of being, like you know, Jail, RJ Barrett, uh, Verwan, Warden, it would be A plus. So I'm hoping next year, you know, he's used to that workload he's getting, he's operating more in the mid range, and he's more consistent defensively, and then we'll have an A plus guy. But it's yeah, t- we we got we finally got one of them ones, man. It's beautiful. It is
0: good. So just uh, on his stats for 2022. 2022 only, 41 games, so literally half a season, 23.6 points, six rebounds, three and a half assists, shooting 41 from the floor, 35 from three, 71 from the free throw line, but the key stat is 7.4 free throw attempts per game. So getting to the line, I think, is his bread and butter. I know he wants to refine that mid-range, but his ability to get to to draw fouls is already getting up there, and he's doing it in a way where quickly was doing kind of like that rope and dope, with Trey Young does. RJ's just barreling into people which I think is more sustainable no matter what rule changes are made on foul calls. So that's like another thing to keep an eye on. I think if he gets to 80% free throw percentage, that's 25 plus a night in his sleep. So flat a very easy for me.
1: Second highest grade I had on the season. Um, I I just, I'm just so happy we have RJ Barrett. Like you know how hard it is to finally get a good young player, like in the draft. Cause even like, before we're talking about like, oh, what, what could like quickly an OBB be right? It's not because like I don't maybe want them to have higher upsides, but it's like when you read the stats about how many guys in the draft actually pan out to not just be like a good starter, but like an all-star level player, et cetera. It's like very low. So the fact that finally like an RJ falls into our lap, we could like bona fide, sort of count on, you know, him being at least like a, a very high caliber player, it's like that's that's the shit, man. Like, that's the good stuff that that's like the, the, the kind of stuff that gets you excited, like innocently, you know, but like, he doesn't get too high or too low is, is my favorite thing. Like we've seen him like really whiff in big moments, you know what I mean? And he's just like, all right, man, I just, you know, I don't care. The ball did not go in. You know what I mean? And then what does he always say? Like, I'm just ready for the next one. Almost all the he answers are different ways. But he was always saying the same thing. Like I'm I'm ready for the next one, whatever, man. And then he truly is. Next game comes, he hits a big shot, everybody goes crazy, things are all right and good. If you're confident and, and you have that approach where you're not gonna like kill yourself if you miss a shot, cause like that's all it really is in basketball. You gotta be confident. If you're not confident, everybody knows it. He's confident, like he'll, he'll miss a big shot. He doesn't care, like because he's confident. And that's like the beautiful part about it is that you know he's gonna go back out there. He's gonna take the shot being aggressive. Like, I don't even know how many big moments he's had clutch in his career. Honestly, we could go back and look at it, but like the Boston shot we've seen like the, the, against the Grizzlies, the shot on Ja where he drove in. Like we've seen a, a couple other big shots from the corner and clutch situations. PJ Tucker. Like, Tucker. Like he's got a pretty long list of like clutch moments already, to be honest with you. And nobody cares. Cause like they either they weren't a good team the entire time or like, you know, the highs and lows, whatever. But like He's had some pretty big moments consistently in over first season. Three years. He
2: was like, I don't remember the exact stat, but his uh, clutch time field goal percentage or whatever, like his field goal percentage on clutch shots was like top five in the league or something crazy like that for Wings. So yeah, like he's he's that guy. He's that guy, man. That's that's why I want to. Mm.
1: A he just gets an A. I don't want to. He gets an A. I'm just it's I'm weird. so excited. I'm so excited we have him, man. I just of all the guys that like. I... I, I I make fun of mix fans a lot for like the guys that they don't want to get rid of. Like RJ is the only dude, like every, every time a trades come up, I'm always like, right. But I think we can do it without RJ. You know, I think if we just give everybody else and just give them all the picks they want and you just keep RJ, well, everybody else gets to add to their young talent. Why can't we add to our young talent? Look, we have RJ. I, I don't think you can make any plan that doesn't include RJ unless you're good. I, I don't even know who the, unless you, you would trade him for, but like, Every year we've done this, but, but right to to, to that point, Sean, every year we've done this, we've kind of gotten, especially if we've said it on Twitter, right? People always think, Oh, Knicks fans overvalue overvalue largely. Yes. RJ, I feel like we've been conspiracy theorists since day one. I feel like RJ, we've been like, how do you guys not see this? And then we keep going back to try to make them see it. And then after the first year, they're like, "Mm, yeah, a little bit better, but you know, not quite there yet. And then we get mad, right. Then the second season, he comes out, he plays even better. Then we go again, how do you not see this? And they go, oh yeah, we don't really believe that. You know, we got to see more. Then he comes out and he has the twenty twenty two that he just had. And again, it's like, yo, how do you not see it? How are you not seeing it? Every year he takes a big leap in multiple different, like even the free throws, right? Like Mike just said, last year, he wasn't getting all these free throws, but he wasn't trying to drive with like intent. Now he's driving with intent, bad intent. And how many times did he try to go for a poster this year? He didn't get many of them. Mind you, he got blocked a lot, a lot or it was a foul. However, he was going to the rack with bad intentions, right? That's all I want to see. But RJ Barrett gets in me. I hope
0: more people start. I to think see. just real quick, I think the reason people that don't follow the Knicks, like I know the national media is starting to catch on is because they don't understand, like, they'll well, not understand, but they don't know how crazy he is off the court. Like, he really asked for this. Like, from a very young age, like, he literally had a full list of, like, I want to be an NBA starter. What do I have to do to get there? I wanna be an all famer, what I have to do to get there. So like he has been training for this. He has every asset Canadian basketball can throw at him with him. He has literally everything. He has, He's resilient, he's 22 years old. Like he literally has quite everything you need out off the court to succeed on the court. So I think people are just starting to realize that now. And next year I think is the ultimate test because I know some people are a little skittish still on giving him the max extension. I'm not one of them but I do hear them out where next year is a big year for him. So I think to bring this full circle, I think that's why you build around him this year. If you don't want to make the big swing.
2: He's made different.
1: I mean, I I would give him his max to be clear. Like I just, I know that was like why I don't, I don't know why that was like a, a raging like Nick civil war. I feel like, you know, I'm a guy who tries to like sometimes overcorrect for the sake of being fair because I think that that's what we're supposed to do when we have a platform. We can't always just have our raging fan takes. You know, you got to like think about it a little bit and then come back. But in that same sense, like the most fair would still kind of be to me like the Jalen Brown contract, which if you factor in cap inflation, or whatever, still like 140, 150 million nowadays. I think. At worst, it's like 135 mil, something like that. So in my head, if I'm already gonna pay RJ Barrett 140, 150 million, it's not really like a you know, too far of a throw away to to just give him his max, you know. Like I that's how my brain works. And also, what I always say too with these deals is like, all right, well, when was the last time we extended anybody at this contract? Even KP, KP was a like, remember, KP was a slam dunk. Like everybody was sure, like, there's no way that they wouldn't extend him. And then there's no way he would take the qualifying offer. And then we traded him, but he was like, this conversation had come up and it was really a sure thing that he was going to get paid. I don't know about the max, but like they were going to pay him for sure. Right. RJ, you pay him. Like, I don't know. I just feel like you, you just see the steps he's taken the last three years. I don't know how you don't think he's going to keep improving. He's age 21. You know, like that's pretty, pretty fantastic. But, um, yeah, I pay him, but moving on, uh, just grade wise, we can rip through the rest here. Uh, oh damn Sean but oh yeah so so uh lightning round this shit yeah lightning round so Mitchell Robinson uh I I, I'm saving Randall hold on all right but Mitchell Robinson I I would give B plus B plus I almost a minus but I gave B plus I think he I think he just I I think he's proven it's time you got to pay him something I don't think he's getting anything unreasonable but I gave him a B plus I thought he played most of the year he got hurt quite a few times, but not like significant enough. He played through some stuff. He kept coming back in. He didn't really stay out too long. I remember, he used to stay out, you know, week here, month there, whatever. So I, I gave him a B plus to me. He showed his worth. He paid for, you know, basically played for free the last couple of years. I think he, you know, pay him. You know, I, th- I think he's earned That's it. Terrible deal.
0: He, has, he signed such a shit deal. I gave him such a-, a shit minus deal.
1: Though. But
0: every point you had correct, I was an A minus.
2: I gave him a B plus, um, but you know, like he was dirt, he was more durable this year. Um, I think I just what? actually I think I'll give him an A minus now I think about it. Cause I think I want to see more from him offensively, um, or more involvement from him offensively sort of. And, uh, just the only thing that gave me like what made me do a B plus instead of an A minus is he was, Talking about how he wanted more of a role, and then he would get switches sometimes, and they would dump it down, and he would like not catch the ball or something. And they'd be like, All right, bro, if you want the ball, you got to catch it when it's thrown to you. So, you know, but he definitely deserves the money. Pay that man, and you know, hopefully, we get to see more from him offensively and more involvement. Yeah, so I mean, aside, aside
1: from that, like, like Randall, for example. I know Randall's not getting a good grade. I, I'm not coming here to even, like, pretend, okay? I, I think there, there's points to be made for him still producing to some degree in a career-worst season. But it beca- it began to become too much. Like, if, if you actually – if you listen to the podcast, if you listen to the podcast of from, like, October and then December and then February and then, like, where we are now and just listen to the way that, like, I – and, and we really, but me especially talk about Julius. It's not great. So the fact that we have to, you know, you have to factor that in is like, it is what it is. Like it became too much to, okay. So even like, I wrote off a bunch of those little like fans filming him because some of them, some of them, like they focus on Julius, but then like Kemba and Fournier also aren't in the huddle. So then it makes you go, okay, maybe the huddle isn't really the huddle. This is just like a breakout. I don't know. So some of it was a little bit of noise, but then like, the walking off the court after a win, like, I, I didn't want to make too much of it, but when you package it with the rest of all the other actual incidents, the laptop flipping, it, like, just, stuff, I, I don't know, I don't know what, what happened this year. I have always been a Julius Randle fan. Like, even before we got him, I wanted us to sign him. I was a big fan when he came here, obviously. I was rooting for him hard when he, he finally panned out the way we all hope, but... I mean, this was a pretty gross 2010 and five season. It's still like the production still counts for what it counts for. Obviously, if the ball just goes in a little bit more, you could deal with some of those antics, but like, I mean, man, it was not good. So I gave him in the context of like we expected a drop off from him this season, like built into our expectations. We all agreed it wasn't going to be last year. And he dropped off like three to five percent in different areas on the shooting. And the fact that it didn't even come close, I gotta give him like a D plus, man, like a C minus. I I don't even want to be that low. I don't want to give him quite failing because like he still did a bunch of stuff there were. And also there was like, he had good stretches too. I'm not trying to ignore after the all-star break. And just before he was really, really, really good. It was like the 10 games before the all-star break and like the 10, 12 after the, the all-star break, he was real good. But then again, the same thing with the 48, yeah, you can't, you can't not play defense come and go. You can't miss this many shots inconsistent. You know, it just wasn't, the, the stretches of good didn't make, didn't compensate enough, is what I'm trying to say. So, although I was rooting for it, I was, I thought he would just get hot eventually, come out of it. He, he didn't really. So, I, it was disappointing. I, I, a lot of this we've had, you know, discussed on previous pods with, with his antics, but I, I, you know, that's, that's my grade for him.
0: Yeah, just did straight C. I just, he still led the team in rebounds and points. So, that's worth something. But he was quite literally the least efficient shooter in the league out of 16 little- players. I mean, sixty-eight players took five
1: hundred jump shots. He was dead last. And if he if he was even like ten percent better, they win probably four more games and they probably make the playoffs. Like that's that's why I docked him as hard as they did at the end because it was like you could have actually had a career where shooting season or you could have had a really bad shooting season. You could have even acted like this and we still could have made the playoffs if you just like were less significantly bad this year at what we didn't think you could possibly have been.
2: Yeah. for me, he got, he got a D for me Um, for all the reasons you guys have said, but all, like it was worst efficiency in the league as a shooter. Um, But the thing is, had it just been the shooting falling off, I could have lived with it. And I've been saying that all year. Had it just been that shots that were going in before it stopped going in. That's the only thing that was different. That'd be fine. But the attitude, the energy, the effort level defensively, all of it, it was just terrible. It was bad as far as production on the court. It was bad in terms of leadership. It was just a bad year. It was a bad year, and he was probably the second biggest problem on this team after Tom Thibodeau, so you got a D for me.
1: Yeah, uh, it brings us no joy. We, we all loved Julius. We all, And look, if he's back next year, I'm still room for him to turn it around. I can't possibly imagine it's going to be as bad as this season was, but this was a bad year, man. We all watched it. We watched all the games. You know, bad years happen. You know, it is what it is. Like, is it a bad year, though, or is this going to be something more? Like, that's always what the player has to decide. You got to come back in next year. If you stay with the Knicks, better attitude, turn it around, not shoot as bad, play off RJ, whatever. Great. But if not, like, you know, we got to judge things how we judge
2: them, unfortunately. If, if he's uh, back next year, I'm going to start the narrative that he did that last year on purpose so that he could win MIP again next year. Good agenda. Good agenda. I, I like the I like <laughs> the tinfoil that. hat.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's great. But, um, but moving on, I just want to go right to the bench now. Uh, Alec Burks, point Burks. Uh, D. I. D. Uh, this is going to be a hot take, right? All, right? all right, I understand. <laughs> C plus B minus. I'm going to say it. C plus. What the B minus. hell? It's not his fault. B it's, minus, it's, sir, sir. B okay. minus. Okay. Okay. Sir, okay. 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 I came in. Okay. I came in too hot. I came in too hot. All right. My laptop's now, now, sparking. Now, now I know where the line is. Okay. Now I know where the line is. B B minus was the line. I thought he would have been perfectly fine if he stayed in his role all year. I almost solely attribute all the docking I would do to him to Tom Thibodeau. I I just, I can't, I feel like my brain was warped watching a version of Alec Burks that didn't previously exist. Point guard Alec Burks did not exist prior to this experiment with Tom Thibodeau after Kemba, right? So I'm trying to just think about it in that context of this guy was playing in position when he never played point guard and suddenly he's one of the most trusted point guards in the NBA so much that he's playing over MVP can, uh, candidate minutes. It makes no sense to me. Maybe I'm overcorrecting too much. I get it. I understand where you guys would be coming from, but I'm not letting my Tom Thibodeau hatred get in the way of a guy I think is a, a generally decent, good bench player who was vastly in over his head. B-Modis was too much. Okay, b Madison was too much. I now realize that. Came in a little hot C plus though. I think he's a perfectly capable bench player who is just way, way, way out of position and like, not just out of position, but like he shouldn't have been starting. Like even at the two, like that's a spot start. We saw him play t- uh, like a starting gamer here and there last year, right at the two. And he would have a good game and then go back to the bench. That, that's normal for a bench guy but like extended starting role and at a position that he doesn't normally start at, I, I couldn't possibly fault him. Maybe I'm overcorrecting too much, but I gave him a C plus. I just thought, good job. You were a bench guy in the NBA. You shouldn't even be a starter, let alone a starting point guard. And you're out there trying your best. I, I almost didn't even dock him
2: for that. I I might be wrong, but that's where my head was at. I, I gave him a C for that same reason. I'm not going to give him a failing grade because it's not his fault. He didn't fail. Tom Thibodeau failed him, but he also wasn't good. So, like, I can't give him anything close to a B. Like, B minus is insane. Um, so, I'm going to give him a C because he's right, a cool right. guy.
1: I gave him too many cool guy points. I'm sorry. I, yeah, I, no. I like I like Alec Burks. He seems like a real swell guy. He just had a baby this year. I'm not trying to bring some oh, negativity no. to a per an A plus. I, person a plus. I, I, Okay, B plus was too high. So, we got a, we got a C plus, we got a C. Mike, you, where are you at? Flat D. At the end of the day, they
0: played at a snail's pace. He didn't do anything at the point guard position that warranted him starting at any point in the season. This is a pure grade on his play, D.
2: Mike's answer is the right answer. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean it is it
1: is pretty fair. I'm just I needed a scapegoat. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll keep it moving. Um, uh, Grimes, I, I had next. I, I gave Grimes like a. I gave him like a B minus, a B. I thought he came in and impacted winning. I thought, you know, especially at the time when he was playing more, uh, Fournier was struggling. So I just thought that it made a lot of sense that he got a good grade because all he did was come in and do mostly a pretty good job. He had some big games. He he hit his threes. He defended well. And yeah, I I just, I can't dock him too much for that. Yeah, I, I did B,
0: flat B for Grimes for every point you said. I think next year, I think next year is when I'm actually going to start
1: grading him on a real scale. You know, these these last ones that I have, um, you know, so, some of them I have like incompletes, like Derek Rose. I think he was probably gonna have a pretty fine season, but you know, he got hurt. I you can't hold that against him, especially after last year. It is what it is, so I have an incomplete. New Orleans Noel, like I have an incomplete just because. Yes. F. He, i understand the f but i mean he he didn't play enough this season for me to give him a real grade 20 he was always he was always coming back from an injury and then he always had a new injury and he, when he, he played he play. was he, i'm sorry he was putting up jason collins numbers he, he was, was not good like, like i'm not gonna mince words he wasn't
0: yeah,
2: good he was it.
0: awful like he awful. can't ca- he still can't catch like his inability to catch a basketball is once is something that needs to be studied like he really just can't catch a basketball
1: it's like he's got like plastic hands. Like this it's like time. Stephen Hill for my Jets fans, which I know you guys are. It's yes. Stephen Hill. <laughs> it's
2: Just like this is oh, all his hands could do. His fingers don't move. You know, like it, it's... and it's just wild to me that he was once like a top prospect. Like yeah, you know, he was like a he was like the number one player in the country or something crazy like that. Like close to it. Yeah,
0: yeah. I don't know. Fall from grace, but I mean, like I said, I wish him the best. But
2: yeah yeah. Seems like a cool guy, but yeah, don't want him playing basketball on the court.
1: I understand the Fs. I just gave him incomplete just for how injured he was. But understandable. Uh, you know, keeping going here, I, I gave Deuce an incomplete also. I just didn't see enough minutes. It wasn't even his fault. I Some games he he kind of just didn't show up at all. But again, when you don't play that many minutes, it's hard for me to make sense of, like, the flashes, the non-flashes. I just needed to see more. So, I mean, maybe we'll see more next year. I had an incomplete for him. I liked what I saw sometimes, like the Rockets game for sure. But uh, and to be fair, yeah. you, you were right on Noel,
0: Kyle. I don't think it's enough, but um, same thing with Deuce. Deuce and Cam both got incompletes as Rose, too.
2: Yeah, they Deuce got an incomplete for me, for sure. Uh, I liked what I saw when I saw it. I wish we would have seen more. I liked that he was – it. like, you know, the, the Rockets game sticks out to me, but I think one of the games – in the, the Clippers game and that Mavericks game, like that stretch where he was playing and we were playing really well. But one game that really stuck out to me was uh, that Pistons game where he was – we were about to blow a game to the Pistons in Detroit. It was going to be a horrible day. And he came in and he was a plus 40 with zero points. And he was just like, and, and it wasn't like a fake plus minus thing either. Like he was legitimately impactful. Like he was pressuring the ball and he, like they couldn't get the ball before the floor anymore. Their offense that was buzzing and humming suddenly couldn't, couldn't do anything. We were getting on transition off of his stops. It was really beautiful.
1: Yeah. So would like to see more, but it is what it is. Uh, Jericho Sims, I gave a not, I don't want to like go too high on him. I gave him a C plus. Um, not, not like he got docked for anything, but it was more just like um, young player mistakes is everything I docked him for. So that's why I didn't really like ding him too much. And he also played pretty sporadically. Um, he'd play like a 20 minute half or, or you know, he, he played like a lot sometimes out of nowhere, right. He'd have a big stint and then you, we wouldn't see him again for a little while. So when I did see him and he, when he was playing, he looked real good. There was also times when he would just space out. There was a lot of games. He didn't know where he was supposed to be, but in the games he did know where he was supposed to be, he really stood out and looked pretty dominant and excellent. So I gave him about a C plus. I thought he was right in the middle, um, in terms of where a young player should be in his context. I just want to see a little bit more from him, but I liked what I did see in in those flashes, in those instances.
2: Uh, I give give Jericho a B. Um, It's not, it's like, it's a B when you had like three assignments in the class and you did well on two of them and okay on the other. You know, it it wasn't a large sample size, but I just think that from the player that he was in the beginning of the year um, and the player he was at the end of the year, he was way more, you know, he he did everything you want the 58th pick in the draft to do and more. Um, you know, he also hit the boards extremely well. Uh, he, was having, he was having games down the stretch where he was like, he'd have like eight rebounds in the first quarter. Uh, he was doing a great job defensively. Like in that Nets game, he was like running the paint at a point. It was just like, wow, this is amazing. Uh, it's a lot of threats. So, you know, he, the, the things that you want him to do well, he did them well. And I can see a path to improvement in those areas. So I, I'll give him a B.
0: Yeah, I did B+. plus. I think he is firmly the backup center moving into next season. I think he proved that he's capable in just about every area. Obviously, defensive patience. Like him on Embiid was a good learning experience. I want them to lean into that type of stuff as we move forward. But lob threat, kind of exactly the archetype that they should be going for with R.J. Barrett. Like when Mitch is out, I would feel a lot more confidence in Jericho than Nerland's at this point. I think they just – Jericho's very active. He's not the shot blocker Noel is, but he is a great rebounder, and he could jump through the ceiling in one bound. So I think that's somebody we should have big future plans for.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, to to Sean's point, that's why, you know, uh, actually about the the last pick in the draft pretty much, like that's all that we wanted. I remember we were talking about that pick, and I was like, all I want to see is them take like – A big swing on like a crazy athletic like don't don't waste your time picking like a smart fun like regular college player with the 58th pick go go take a a wild like a wild pick like only upside i don't don't even want to hear about the downside only upside like what what is the highest possible upside you can get on on like a wonky player and they chose sims and i was very happy because who knows what you're going to get out of the mystery box of sims so i I liked what i saw from that in that context for sure that this year so we'll see but um pretty good stuff um I mean who, who else did I forget at that point I mean Quigley. I think the only one yeah oh. I gave quickly an OB both A's yeah I didn't well, I gave quickly a minus a- yeah quickly I gave quickly like a B um I thought he I thought he did really well improving defensively especially as a playmaker uh, I Emmanuel not a point guard quickly I thought I had more than just flashes I thought there was numerous stretches. Uh, numerous big games. I mean, almost for sure, a double-digit amount of games where his passing impressed me. So for me, in his minutes, which should have been more, I thought he mostly did what he should have done. I had to dock him, though, because two and a half months of, of really not shooting the ball well was, was a pretty significant period of time, and that's something that could impact winning for them, even in his minutes not being enough. Um, so being a scoring guard and not doing the scoring, you, you do get dinged, but I thought, hell of a job making improvements defensively playmaking everywhere else you'd want to see for a player of his position. And I, I'm still very excited about him. So very easily a B. should, should have been a little bit higher if he's shooting normally, but a B for sure.
2: I'm like a little on the edge for that reason. Exactly. Um, you know, it, it's tough to go two months without shooting well. Uh, and I mean, he was shooting terribly. Um, but he did all those other things well during that stretch, but yeah, those things do count. So, I mean, I want to give him an A-minus. It might be a B-plus based on the shooting slump. It's tough. I think the fact that he still bounced back from the shooting slump, you know, I gave RJ an A, and RJ shot pretty poorly for a little bit too. So, yeah, it's tough. But I I think I maybe give him an A-minus. Yeah, possibly a B-plus, but I really, really like Emmanuel quickly. So, Bias moves to an A-minus.
0: I think he was our best point guard this year when it's all Easily. said and done. Like, like, no doubt. That's why I gave him the A-minus. And the early struggles should also be, the caveat should be him. And this wasn't just exclusive to quickly. It was Obi as well. They made one mistake. They were out pretty quickly. Like he quickly did have rough stretches, but he also got pulled very quickly.
1: No pun intended to kind of right those wrongs. Yeah. um, No, I mean, honestly, I think Gane is pretty fair with how his turnaround went, but I just felt it's almost like how you just view like whatever the project is real quickly. Like if you value like his development more based on, you know, some expected growing pains, I can see why an A A minus works. You know what I mean? I just, I I think I had higher expectations and and some of them, not really for him, but like also for Tibbs. I just kind of thought we'd see more like him with Randall and RJ and, I just thought that would have affected his play more positively. Like not just saying he, he wasn't going to play with Obi at all, but I just thought he would have seen a little bit more time split. And I thought it would have helped him, you know, but because again, my, my mindset is if he played with those two, he would have had a lot more like open spotting up threes versus like always having to do something on, on off the dribble, step back, you know, create his own shot. So that's kind of where I was thinking with that. But again, you don't always get what you want and you have to grade off of what you watch. So that that's where I was at, but Obi, I wouldn't say. I don't know. Obi wasn't tough for me. I thought he got an A. I think you can only do what you you can do in your minutes. You know, like obviously they were limited more than we wanted, especially to start. But you can only play the ten minutes you get. You can only play the fifteen minutes you get. And if you're killing all the ten and fifteen minute spurts you get for the most part, then you get an A. That's that's how the system works. So I feel like he came in. He was always high energy, good attitude uh, moving without the ball. I thought he played better defensively. Um, I thought the threes really weren't there till the end of the season, but at least they came and it looked like he was shooting more confidently there. Um, and obviously when he started playing quickly and RJ Moore, you were able to do a little bit more with him offensively, just, you know, moving him around the court a little bit differently and seeing the angles you could attack from. So I, I liked what I saw from Obi. Um, I, I still have questions about how he's going to look in bigger minutes, like starting, but I don't, I have nothing to see off of how the season ended. That would give me like more pause to those questions. You know, it's more, I just want to see how he does. And like, not, I don't want to like, I don't want to downplay too much. Cause him and quickly really played well at the end of the season, but like to some degree it is like silly season in the NBA with guys resting and teams tanking, and whatever else. So I always try to take it with a grain of salt, but they look really well. And like 40 points is 40 points. You know what I mean? Like, You could do that anytime, and that's impressive in the NBA. So just how high those peaks were at the end, you know, that makes me interested to see what they do. So Obi Obi gets a pretty easy A for me.
2: Yeah, Obi is also an easy A on my part. Like you said, you can only do what you can do with your minutes. Uh, He was really good in those stints. And beyond that, you know, toward the end of the season, he took advantage of his opportunity. When Julius was out, Obi thrived. And um, he thrived in a way that was really good and fit really well next to RJ, low use, like low usage, things like that. Um, and he was high energy all year. Like even in the beginning of this, like OB was very, very consistent. Only his minutes weren't. And on top of that, in that last Raptors game, when he had that fast break where he like took one dribble and year, like year old and went with the reverse dunk, I was just like, Oh, that might make it an A plus. Honestly, that play alone, that was amazing. Um, so yeah, Obi definitely got an A for me. And he was, he was very improved. He improved a lot defensively. And I feel like some, like, I don't think he got enough credit for that. Like, there was a point when he was coming out of college and in his first year where I was like, damn, he's going to be stiff for the rest of his life. Like, he's never going to be able to move. And, you know, he's way, he's way more fluid in his motion, like in one offseason. So, I mean, I'm looking forward to that. Like, I, I did not think that he really looked like he would never have, like, fluid motion.
1: So, you know what? that's I bet, I bet money what they did in the offseason and I would like to have David Zenon on soon to, to talk about some of this stuff for sure. But I, I would willing to, I'm willing to bet you what they worked on without having spoken to them is they use his length a lot more this year defensively. Like if you notice like about his stiff, he was still kind of stiff, but you know when a lot of bigs play back. Like they're like uh, on their back foot, mm-hmm. you know, like, like a little flat footed. And if, if they have to then scramble forward, it's hard for him. Or harder, harder for them, right? That's usually what ends up happening. They play back because of the drive. They don't want to get beat. Then all of a sudden, they allow ten feet for a jumper, and, and they get cooked. You know, but he did. He was blacking jumpers this year, right? Like it was. It wasn't like totally Mitchell Robinson esque, but like he was doing it enough that you, you know, it kept happening, right? So I bet, I bet money, like, I, I don't know what they did, but it seemed like he's more on his toes and he plays back, but not too far back anymore because he's always like within an arm's reach of you. And last year he wasn't within an arm's reach. Last year he would just get blown by or whatever, right? They'd get the space. But, but this year he seemed like intent on, I'm not going to get blown by and I'm going to use my body properly because how else would he he get to those? He's not like, he's not like a, a block hunter like Mitchell Robinson. So how else does he get in these blocks? I got to go back and watch all of them. But I, I remember that I, he was always very close, you know? So, I don't know. He he, he got a lot better defensively this year.
0: Yeah, that's what – there really was no – I was trying to look at reasons to knock him down. He never really had a prolonged stretch of, like, bad basketball. Like, missed shots just happen. Yeah, yeah star players show us. So, that's that was my
1: reason. Yeah, but, uh, you know, I like think that puts a ball in it there. So, you know – Top to bottom, you know, we covered as much as we could. I know it's been a little while for you guys, you know, just trying to get back into the swing of things here, but trying to give you our season in review. You know, there was a a lot from this season. It was quite the roller coaster. So top to bottom, wanted to give you some grades, kind of talk of the future there with Donovan Mitchell and those other things coming up uh unfortunately we're, we're going to cut out the spike Lee conversation i know everybody's been dying to have i've been seeing that on twitter all, uh, all over since last night but we're going to skip the spike Lee conversation because i'm sure in two months there'll be another spike Lee conversation to have and we'll just uh you know talk to you guys in the next episode but really you know appreciate you guys listening if you made it all the way through this one was a doozy but had a lot to catch up on and uh we'll talk to you guys next week we're going to have you know the, the pod will be back weekly we'll be good to go mondays again but um in addition, you know, we hope to be doing our draft coverage now that the Knicks are in the in the lottery again. We didn't want to be here, but we are going to be here. So, you know, we'll have our draft coverage coming up. I know, everybody, this is a very special time of year for Knicks fans. I know, you know, we usually do draft season. Everybody's pretty excited about it. We've got our draft articles coming out uh, already. So, if you haven't watched, you know, check those out on the thenickswall.com. Make sure you do. And uh, that's about it. Stay tuned on the uh, offseason season app front uh you know we'll uh nothing confirmed yet but we'll put you know put the official word out when we're ready to go but we're trying to work on that for you guys again uh hopefully we'll have that ready to go pretty quickly but uh you know just make sure you follow us on twitter for that of course and uh last note we're at what forty-five thousand on twitter now i checked All right we're just 40, about there 40 44 five yeah so uh, almost at 50k guys a uh, pretty you know we were just a good season with you guys is the point we, we grew pretty substantially again and uh you know we've been doing this since what like three thousand, five thousand followers so, so to get to this point is uh you know a lot of you guys listening a lot of you guys watching uh following us so you know just always always good to have uh the, the full season with you guys you know all the engagement you know is what makes it fun and Hearing, hearing from you guys in spaces, everything else is always a good time. So, appreciate you guys for the season in general. I know it is uh, exactly what we wanted, but at the end of the day, you know, we're all we got here. So, we'll uh, catch you next week and uh, take it easy.
2: Adios. Colombia, <laughs>
0: Yeah. yeah.